We don't need an intro, man. Our personalities will shine through despite the lack thereof of intro. <laughs> there you go. Um, personality. Person- I'm sure we have that somewhere. I'm sure we have some type of personality somewhere. We just rifle through this box, by which I mean I'll just sort of mess with this box a bit near the microphone. Uh, <laughs> let me check through these papers, by which I mean mess with these papers a bit near the microphone. Uh, uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hey Poor Podcast. That's what it says to say here. It's about video games sometimes. I am your host, I. Coleman. Joining me is Nathan Terencio. Nico, Nico, Nathan, and I have rice in my mouth. I'm sorry, I'm hungry. <laughs> No, nah, go for it. I'm hungry, too. I get it. Uh, Jay and Anthony, they're not here. Uh, Anthony, of course, no longer being a recurring member of the podcast, but someone we're still going to try and have on as often as possible. And Jay just immediately breaking his promise to be more available. <laughs> um so I don't know what to tell you about that. And uh, so if you're listening to this podcast and you're waiting to hear about Pyre, which he reviewed, or Splatoon 2, which he reviewed, or Voltron, which he is obsessed with and he's probably going to have some bad Twitter hot takes about in the uh, the coming weeks, uh, you're going to have to wait for next week or whenever we get Jay on again. It'll probably be next week. Probably. Um uh, Instead, you'll have to listen to us. Ayo. Have to. We're great. We're wonderful. Um, and Jay, if you're listening to this, go fuck yourself. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love you. I love you, Jay. We Listen, we love you, Jay. Anyway, Damn, what we like to do here... <laughs> What we like to do here in the first part of the show is we like to talk about the games, movies, etc. that we've been playing, enjoying, experiencing, living, laughing, loving, learning all this week. Uh, I guess the last couple of weeks since recording was a bit weird. Um, and then uh, we will have a brief commercial break where we've got some exciting announcements, me especially, Uh, Well, I don't know. Maybe Nathan has some secret exciting announcements. We all have exciting announcements. Uh, We all have an announcement. Yes. And then uh, we will talk about the news, like Bioware Montreal closing and Valve continuing to be shit and maybe some other things. Uh, But first, Nico, Nico, Nathan, what have you been up to this past week? Hey, yo. Anyway, uh, so... One of the things I've been... So, I got a review code for Crash Day, um, and... Okay, so, for those of you who don't know, I've actually been taking sort of a step back in reviewing games, because, just in general, like, the past two months have been very inconsistent due to my part-time job, where I am a lab teacher for senior citizens who want to learn how to use, um, I, you know, tablets, mm-hmm. computers, cell phones, etc., and... Recently, we got a new uh, teacher who is going to be helping around. So now, like, that the duty of helping these senior, very entitled senior citizens <laughs> is now onto two people instead of just little old me. It means I can do more stuff. So expect to see more stuff out of me. It was a long time coming, but I pretty much, like, had to wait until August until he could, like, show up. Anyway, so I just, so I got a review code for Crash Day, which... 
as of late, I've been getting review codes, not for games I want to review, but for like, hey, um, guys, no one took these games that we need to get reviewed <laughs> soon, and I'm like, fine, I'll do it, okay, even if I don't like racing games. So I've been playing Crash Day, which isn't really a racing game, it's more like in the style of like Burnout, or like kind of the carnage racing games where it's more focused on the destruction aspect than anything and those are totally my like cup of tea like i'm not big into cars i'm not a car guy i'm not a racing fan but i do like seeing shit blow up so totally off my alley and i can't say i'm not i haven't gotten like to play it a lot but i can say crash day is better than i expected because i've actually demoed two games similar in premise and they all were kind of sucky on a technical aspect because like here's the thing racing games more probably more so than any other game except fighting games you need a consistent frame rate like for it to be like functional and good and just like not a shitty experience i mean yeah you can say it about every game but more so in racing games and and fighting games but Mm -hmm. crash day doesn't have all these technical issues and Given the amount of particle effects, and my computer is good, but it's not like the best PC. And given that it runs at a solid 60 FPS from what I've been playing so far, and with all the particle effects going on and the amount of like graphical fidelity mixed with these particle effects, it's I'm pleasantly surprised. And the actual gameplay part is good. I I wish I could say more on it. I haven't. I've only played like a few hours of it, but like cars blow up. I attached two fucking Gatling guns to the side of my car and blew some like Corvette up. It was great. Like it's a cool game. Um, I'll have more to say about it probably um, next week and, like, when the review is up. But, you know, promising. And I'm really glad that, like, like I finally got to play a racing game that isn't technically inept, you know? I, I mean, sure, we're at a point where, like, 60 FPS on a racing game has been the standard for quite a few years. So, yeah. you know, like, I just don't think it's acceptable anymore. I think that's the bare minimum it should be is, like, hey... Maybe it doesn't have a lot of features, but 60 FPS should be the bare minimum of what your racing game should do. That's that's all yes. I'm going to say about that. But um, yeah, so I played. So that so that's something I played. The other thing I've been playing as of late is a game that I don't know if it's in. I think it's in beta or alpha or something, but it's called Gigantic. I don't know if it's fully released. I can check. I that believe up, it's. Like, I believe later. it's beta. Yeah. Okay. So I've been playing Gigantic, which is hey, it's like a fucking another MOBA. Yay! I mean. More MOBAs, isn't, isn't that great? Anyway, like, mm. I like MOBAs personally. And it's I'm not... been development hell for a while. Every time I yeah. hear about it being a real thing, I'm always a little surprised. Yeah, I that, mean, that was that. That's been my go-to example for like thing that gets announced at E3 and never comes out, except it has. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah, yeah, and I had never heard about the game till maybe a month ago. So I'm enjoying it the hell out of it like let me be clear i like mobas more than most people but i i won't i'm not gonna say i'm not like fatigued by the amount of mobas coming out and like right the fact that i don't even like the, the problem with mobas coming out nowadays is the fact that like even if they're good even if they have a lot of things going for it the fact is you still have to complete compete with dota 2 League of Legends, Heroes of the Storm, and Smite. And you can even argue that, like, Dota 2 and League of Legends is far, in terms of player base, far above, like, the other two. I know, maybe Heroes of the the Storm has a huge player base now, and Smite is actually just dwindling because it's been kind of stagnant and the company hasn't been supporting the esports scene either way. um, Mm -hmm. There's a lot of fucking MOBAs, that's the point. And it's, I'm pleasantly surprised to say, I'm pleasantly surprised because... Gigantic feels like a breath of fresh air, even though it doesn't do many new things. I think there's a lot of things that are there that I felt like 
if this game came out at the same time as or a year after or the same time as smite this probably could have beaten smite in terms of player base because there's because what gigantic does compared to other mobas is the heroes of the storm method where it's like let's just take out the fucking items let's take out all these like the last hitting there is last hitting to an extent but it's not as hardcore as say like dota 2 or like whatever and just like make it a more streamlined experience on top of making it like a third person game which a lot of people are more comfortable with and you you know and even console players are more comfortable with because you can play it on the controller so mm-hmm. like that in on a mechanical aspect it doesn't do a lot different there is a like instead of going to a person's base and just destroying like towers and then beating up the base the way gigantic works is you have a giant fucking kaiju monster and the point of the game is that things you do on the map give you points and then when you get to 100 points the monster goes to the other monster and then it fights it the thing with this is that like you have to go with the monster because the monster more or less is just like the cc that holds the bigger monster and then you have to attack it and then that's the point it's like hey my big monster is gonna go attack the big monster and now we all have to like just wail on it and like take out a life and there's three like basically the monsters have three lives so you have to take three you have to take out three lives and then you win and the thing with this is that, yes, it's like a MOBA. There are objective points that, that you have to take. It's kind of like the towers, except the thing with the towers is that, like, once a tower is gone, it's gone. In this game, you can constantly fight over points, so it's kind of like a... In that essence, it's kind of like an FPS, where it's like you're fighting over control points. And then things, and then kills, capturing control points, even just, like, um, upgrading these control points all like go towards points so in a lot of ways it's it it, it is a MOBA in essence but it also takes cues from like third person shooters and arena shooters and stuff like that and I really enjoy that because like yes there's depth to it but it's not overwhelming like say Dota 2 it's one of the reasons why I couldn't ever get into Dota 2 the minute someone broke a tree behind me and ganked me from (laughs) behind my tower by breaking a tree I was like I'm done with this game fuck this (laughs) how was I supposed to know that was a thing but yeah like it's streamlined enough that you can get into it and kind of just have fun with it, but there's enough depth that, like, I can see a more competitive aspect being fostered from, like, this game. And I and I dig that. I, I like... The thing with League of Legends is I don't like the fact that you can't play League of Legends casually. You have to be, like, a try-hard serious dude all the time. Yes. And that is not fun. That is the essence of not fun. That is why I don't play League of Legends. Like, whenever I played that game, I'm like, guys... I'm not playing this to have fun. You don't have fun with League of Legends. That's exactly how I feel. It's the opposite of Dota is Dota is exactly the same way as someone who yeah. played Dota 2 for uh like really like whatever MOBA you got into first was just defined as like which one were all of your friends into and for me that was Dota mm-hmm. 2 and it's like I don't know that I ever like enjoyed playing Dota 2. Like, I don't know. It was something that I did with my friends. But even when you win, it's just like, ugh, that was exhausting. Yeah, that's like a 30-minute time sink. (laughs) And, and like, that's time I'll never get back. Yeah, no, that's how I feel about League. I played it because it was the game that all my friends had. So that was the game conveniently where it's like, hey, there's five people. We can all play together. Hey, that's cool. Like, and... And the thing with... And, like, I've found more joy recently in simple MOBAs like Vainglory, Gigantic, Heroes of the Storm, where, like, I can go into a normal game of Heroes of the Storm and have a blast. I'll just pick Stitches 100% of the time and just go for, like, the most ridiculous (laughs) hooks and have a blast. Like, it'll be great. Mm -hmm. Like, and that's how I feel about Gigantic, is while there is depth, you can kind of get away with 
a lot of weird jank because there's no defined roles. It's not like League of Legends where it's like, you need this, 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 this. Whereas like in Heroes of the Storm, you can have, oh, you can have two warriors and one support and then a bunch of DPS. Or you can have like two supports, one tank. And and it's the same thing with like Gigantic because there's no defined roles. People are classified as assassin, bruiser, tank, support, but there's no real hardcore healer. It's just kind of like, oh, he can kind of do healing. I like that a lot because... I hate structured roles in a certain sense when it's limiting to, like, the fun you can have. So, yeah. And the yeah. best part of Gigantic, if you've ever seen a gameplay or the trailer of Gigantic, the art is fucking beautiful. I fucking yes. love it. That game is a visual feast every time I fucking play. It runs very smooth, by the way, on my PC. And it sh- I don't think a lot of people should have problems running it because it is a MOBA. Those are, like, technically the most... They're technically not demanding on your rig, except for Heroes of the Storm when it was in beta for some damn reason. Um, and except for the network connection, of course. Which yeah, for a lot yeah. of people is a problem. Yep, absolutely. And, like, I just love the character design. Like, all the characters stick out to me. They all have... Like, the thing with characters, and this is why I personally don't like certain MOBAs, is, like, I can only see the same generic Frost Archer so many God. times. <laughs> I know exactly I know that's a, the character you're talking about. I know like, it's a fucking the, staple, but shit. No, it's always like anime girl level of clothing, and there's always the gross guy with a hook. You mentioned yep. Stitches, but that's also Pudge, and I'm sure League yep. of Legends has one whose name I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we got we got a hook boy. Yeah, like, the thing is, is that, like, there's these conventions. I mean, hell, certain... Overwatch has a gross, fat hook yeah, boy Yeah, the gross, now, fat like... hook boy, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Why it's is like... that a character type? I I don't know. It's cause the Battleborn's funny thing hook about, guy like... was just, like, a guy. Just like an, he oh, was, like, he... the captain. He was just, like, a normal hot guy. <laughs> like oh good a hot hook guy we need more uh hot hook guy representation exactly but uh i don't know like, so if you have a hook and you're not like an ugly malformed pile of flesh you are valid because like even league of legends the hook guy there's two hook guys there's the one of the hook guys is a is a fat robot and the second hook guy is literally like <laughs> fucking the grim reaper or something so yeah like ugly hook guy not cool but um yeah like the thing with um gigantic's characters is that like yes they have like there's certain trophies like there's an archer and he's like the cc guy but he's also like a robin hood fox he's like the disney robin hood <laughs> and i kind of dig that and like yeah, yeah the characters aren't yeah they're, they're created they're different <laughs> enough that like i i there's a certain like freshness to them but at the same time they're still familiar like if you played enough movies they're still familiar that like hey i could play this character because it's similar to another character i played so Nothing but good things to say about Gigantic. I know it's only in beta, but I'm having a blast with it. I like even like even if the game wasn't mechanically as solid as it is, and it is surprisingly very mechanically solid, I'd still just play it just because like man, that art, like those graphics, it's just so good. Like the environment looks good, the monster design is really charming, the characters like all I would argue that like Gigantic has more charming characters than overwatch i'd argue that actually people will fucking fight me because overwatch something about like talking bad about overwatch gets you like destroyed on the internet but i don't care like tell me about it the gigantic characters are super charming and yes they're and it's not like they have a lot of lore to them but like i look at that i look at this frog 
wearing a Goku outfit, and I'm like, this boy Did is someone a demon. say he likes frog? Nathan, oh, did you no, just no, no, say no, no, frog? No, 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 no. We're not bringing that frog up. That frog is Are you evil. absolutely positive that Paco is not needed at this time? God, you know what the thing is? Is that that frog, he punches people. He grabs you with his tongue. <laughs> it's very similar to Paco, but not Paco. Paco is in every game. Paco is broken no matter what he does. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, Gigantic is fucking great. If you haven't played it, I'd recommend it. It's Free. It's fucking free. Just try it out. It's fun. It's a lot of That's fun. That's true. Yeah. I, yep. uh, you honestly, you've kind of sold me on it. I might pick it up myself. Yeah. Uh, if it's, I have time. I mean, if you like Heroes of the Storm, so like, I think you would do. like this game too. Heroes of the yeah. Storm is really the only MOBA I like because it's what you were talking about. It's the only one that really has that like casual component. Um, yeah, which, you know, as someone who is extremely busy all the time, and when I do play games, I'm usually playing something for review, I, it needs to be something casual for me. I can't invest a Dota amount of time into anything. So, yeah. That is fair. I gotta, I gotta find out more about this. Yeah, oh, man, it's I, good. And if I'm just really looking like at the, the screenshots now, and, like, every single one has, like, a different cool character where it's like, oh, I want to know what this, like, weird purple bear clown thing's deal is. Oh, my God. He is adorable. He's, <laughs> he's like, the abominable snowman. He's so cute. Anyway. Um, yeah. And if you like the game, like, really like the game want to support it, if – I don't – like, this is totally – I, I, I personally like this. If you pay $30, you get all the characters forever. Like, any character they release after the fact, you get them. And I like that business model because it kind of feels like, I don't know. I, I, I don't, like, as much as, like, I like free-to-play games, I do hate the grind for getting, like, every fucking character. It is, yeah. it bothers me. So, but, hey, if you don't have the if you don't have $30, you can still enjoy the game and just unlock the characters the hard way. And it's not a bad thing because matches literally take, like, 10 to 20 minutes, like, Heroes of the Storm time. So, yeah, I can't recommend Gigantic enough. It is a lot of fun. Maybe I'll do a video on it. I don't know. We'll see. I I feel weird about doing games, <laughs> like videos about games that are in beta. So, yeah, take that for what you want. And last game I want to talk about, um, just very quick because it's not that big a deal. Like where I was talking about a long time about Gigantic and how it's different and it feels fresh because art style and mechanics. Uh, I've been playing a mobile MOBA game on my iPad because my friend just got me into it. And... It's League of Legends. No, it's called Mobile Legends. Excuse me. Um, but yeah, no, oh it's boy. not even subtle. It's literally <laughs> League of Legends because I don't know if you've ever gotten these commercials. I but you know when you're on YouTube and you see I, like I get these commercials a lot. It's basically like commercials for um, mobile games, and you can hella tell that this trailer is not indicative of the mo- of the mobile game itself. Like in the app store, like it was. Like, a, like it was like yeah. a sweatshop CGI trailer that has nothing to do with a sexy anime girl. And then you see the actual game and it has, like, that character's not even in the game. Or it was, like, a stolen, yeah. like, World of Warcraft JPEG. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> what it feels like. And Mobile Legends is exactly like League of Legends in, like, not in mechanics. Because, like, there's less items, but there's still items. The map looks exactly the same. The little jungle creeps are, like, just texture color differences. It's literally, like... I was playing this game, and my friends are like, hey, Nathan, are you ready to play? I'm like, guys, this game's a fucking lawsuit waiting to happen. How does this exist? Like, holy shit. <laughs> but yeah, Mobile Legends. It's fun if you played League of Legends and you legitimately enjoy that. All I'm saying is they didn't fucking try. 
Like, they yeah, really I mean, I didn't know, fucking like, try. League of Legends is free. Why would you buy a crappy League of... As is Dota, and Heroes of the Storm, and Gigantic, and, like... And Smite, oh, and, and much, every like, MOBA. <laughs> yeah. Like... Pretty much everything... Yeah. The only MOBA I can think of off the top of my head that wasn't free was that uh, DC Infinite Crisis game, which, unsurprisingly, died a horrible death. Right? But it wasn't yeah, bad. It wasn't bad at all. It's just like, I think it just came at a bad time. Well, it was trying to cash in on the time, but... Right, know, and also, again, I, like, I played the beta, which was free, and I had a good time, and I was looking forward to its release, and then it was like, it costs real money, and I was like, okay, bye. Like, I have so many other options for free. Right. But, yeah. The re- I just want to bring up Mobile Legends just because, like, that is the definition. Like, what we were talking about with League and Dota is, like, we play those because those are, the, like, we we have a lot of friends who play it and we can play with all our friends and, you know, whatever. That's what my friends did is pretty much like, hey, play Mobile Legends because, you know, we don't have PCs really. Like, we have shitty laptops or I have a Mac and we can mm-hmm. all play this together. That was That's more of what it is. Not a bad game. Just man, just man, like, I'm just surprised Riot let that through. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's one of those, like, weird things where it's like, oh, it's made in China, and it's, like, the laws are different, etc., etc., whatever. Anyway, point being, Mobile Legends, mediocre, I guess, like, uncreative, uninspired, gigantic, amazing, awesome, fun. Uh, the, the, the clown, abominable snowman, bear thing is adorable. <laughs> There's a fucking frog that does kung fu, and he has a skin that looks like uh, Goku's outfit. Uh, what what more can you want? Gigantic's great. Mobile Legends is whatever. And that's what <laughs> I've been playing. I've been playing a lot of MOBAs. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Um, I don't know that I have a ton to talk about uh, because of Secret Project. Uh, Secret I've been Project. really slammed this past week, and there have been a ton of movies. Like, I wanted to go see Atomic Blonde, and I wanted to see The Dark Tower until I saw the reviews, and now I don't. Oh, yeah. I'm really sad, too, because I, I really wanted to see a film adaptation of The Dark Tower, too. You know, I never read the books, but the trailers looked great. Like, the trailers looked... I mean, it basically looked like it was Idris Elba, like an Idris Elba vehicle, but I'm totally down for mm-hmm. that. And like oh, the yeah. action, the action looked really cool. Like I love like the weird, dumb yet awesome way he reloads his guns. Ah, I don't know. I just don't know how those trailers were so awesome and translated into what is by all accounts such a garbage movie. But there you go. Uh, point I is, I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything that I wanted to see. Literally just lived in my room. Um, but uh, I did play a game for technically preview for the site. Uh, although honestly it's in like a finished enough state that I, I don't know. I kind of felt like a review was more appropriate, but it is technically an early access and our uh, sidewide strategy is if it's an early access, it's a preview. Uh, yep, yep. there you go. Uh, and the game is a game that you may well have heard of, which is Fortnite. Oh, I want to hear about this. Tell me Mr. Coleman. Cause I was actually... I've been looking forward to this game since it was first announced, which was, like, man, too long ago. Way too long ago. It's been a long while. But tell me. Th- tell me th- everything. That's really funny that, like, I, I've i known about Gigantic since it was announced, and yet you were the one who played it. And then you've known about Fortnite since it was announced, and I only found out when they showed some more stuff at E3 this year. <laughs> um, 
It's, so it, it changed it, a lot. I will say that though. It's changed a yeah, lot in appearance. Yeah. Fortnite is a game that, uh, has been, was first announced in 2011, uh, has kind of been development hell for a while. It was the result of it's by Epic games. It was the result of an internal game jam that they had, uh, and then like wanted to turn into a full fledged game. Uh, and it's a lot like orcs must die. If you've played that, um, or slightly similar games like uh, Sanctum, uh, where but really it's mo- it reminds me most of Orcs Must Die uh, in that it is a uh, tower defense game, effectively, where you also that is also like a third person action game. So you divide your time between fighting monsters and building up traps and bases and things to keep the monsters out. And uh, first of all, the monsters themselves. You know I I am a big proponent of good, cool, interesting monster designs that aren't just, like, zombies or... Goblin. (laughs) Goblins. Or worst of all, other, like, other people. It's just the most boring video game enemy Mm -hmm. of all time. Yep. Yep, Um, Yep. And Fortnite's enemies are really cool. They're called the Storm, and there's not much explanation for them. These weird, like, purple storms start happening all over... And they just created these monsters. And they're all, like, really cool and have really interesting designs. Like, there's one that has uh, a beehive for a head and spits bees at you. And there's one that, like, the ranged attackers that actually attack you are, like, pitch baseballs full of magical storm energy. And it's just, it's all fun. Um, the Like, just in general, this game really sold me on its charm. Like, uh... In, in a way that I was not necessarily expecting it to, like just its its presentation and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so like there's a, uh, you have a helper character who is a robot named Ray, and there's actually a few robots. Basically the premise of this game is that these storms happen, they wiped out over 90% of the population. You are just some random, like just some random jack off. Like I assume you're supposed to be playing like yourself who gets found by these malfunctioning robots who are supposed to be fighting the storm. And because they're all Mm -hmm. broken and don't know what they're doing, they just make you the commander, even though you have no military experience whatsoever. (laughs) You literally just accidentally wander into their base and they're like, you're in charge now, which is great. And so uh, your main helper is Ray and she's kind of the standard, the now standard uh, helper character that is not very helpful uh, that was kind of popularized by Wheatley, and we've since seen in other games. Um, mm-hmm. And I can see how some people will be tired of that, but I personally think that she's great. Uh, and I I didn't necessarily, like... Uh, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily enjoy that sort of humor as much, and when I first, like, saw that that's what they were going for, I was a little defensive. But I don't know. So just, like, the way she sells lines and things, I think a big part of it has to do with the fact that she's voiced by Ashley Birch, who we've talked about on this show mm. before, as being one of the best voice actors in gaming right now. And, hey, props to Epic Games for actually paying her a living wage when fucking Square Enix wouldn't. Uh, hey. Uh, oh, Square Enix. Um, Oh, Squeenix, go fuck yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so uh, she is the voice of Rey, and she does a really good job and really brings a life to that character. Uh, I actually laughed out loud several times at some of her line deliveries and uh, even some of her non-funny ones. Like, uh, there's there's this line that 
kind of kind of spoke to me where she was talking about like so what if there's storms and monsters outside we can fight back and i was like oh and i actually uh used a screenshot of that in the review um hmm. so like i really enjoy the presentation and everything and the gameplay is also very good uh so the main way it differs from something like orcs must die is that orcs must die had a set level that you could build traps on um, and then you would also, like, while the waves of monsters were running through the traps, you could also shoot them and hurt them and axe them and whatever. You know, there are different weapons and stuff. Uh, but, like, third-person shooter, third-person fighter, I don't know how exactly you say it, but you get what I mean. Um, yep, yep. The difference in Fortnite is that the maps aren't really set. Um, you actually uh-huh. build, hence the name, your own fort. Uh, and I know you probably know this is more for the benefit of our listeners. Uh, so you collect materials, and I really like the fact that your materials like persist between levels. Um, I actually think that's a, a really cool technique because it kind of limits what strategies are available to you. It means you can't always spam like the best possible strategy. Um, yeah. But you know, you build everything from floors, ceilings, walls, windows. Uh, build. Uh, one time I was playing with this team because uh, it's it's a multiplayer game almost exclusively. There's a few missions that you have to play single player, but mostly it's multiplayer. Um, those missions, by the way, the single player missions take place when you have to defend your own home base, and I name my own home base Scrungo Dairy. I just want you all to know that. Of course. Of, of course. course. <laughs> of course. Of course. Uh, anyway, but so I was playing this one match where uh, we had like this guy who was a sniper on our team, and the rules... Different characters that you play as, uh, like different the characters that you actually choose to control, do have different classes, but it's kind of loose. Like, you don't have to worry too much. Mostly the classes are sort of what you want to do, and the classes are more, like... I mean, the classes... Your role on the team is defined by what you want to do, and the classes are just, like, different abilities, which... So mm-hmm. it's just kind of like having a another piece of your loadout because uh, there's like uh, the okay. class that throws grenades and there's the class that like charges people. Um, so yeah, it's it's more like you know what what do you want to do than like it, it's a very loose class system. Your class doesn't define everything about you. But anyway, there was this nice, guy who was nice. a sniper by virtue of having a sniper rifle and wanting to snipe people. And he just built, like, this series of stairs back and forth. So he had, like, a giant tower stretching into the sky from which he could just snipe everyone. Um, And so that's cool. It's not all about just, like, building electric traps and things, but, like, building walls in smart ways and stuff like that. You know, build, Mm -hmm. like, a map doesn't have good cover or a map doesn't have good sniping points. Well, you have to build those. Uh, and so that is really fun, really exciting, really adds a new dimension to the gameplay. Um, and, and yeah, like all, all of that is great. The shooting itself, um, one of my bigger complaints with Orcs Must Die, uh, especially the first one, uh, I know I keep coming back to that, but they are similar games. And also I played a ton of Orcs Must Die and Orcs Must Die 2 back in the day, um, but one of my biggest problems with the original Orcs Must Die is that it was heavy on the tower defense, light on the uh, actual combat. Uh, the combat was more, like, not going to be super helpful. It was more or less just something you did so you didn't, like, have to just sit and watch the waves happen. 
Fortnite, the combat is much more of a big deal, and there's much more you can do with the combat. There's lots of different weapons from, like, an infinite ammo rocket launcher, but which has such low durability that you can only get a few shots off without repairing it. Or, um, obviously, I ended up preferring the double-barreled shotgun, and I built my character to be good at, like, getting into people's faces and shotgunning them. Mm-hmm. Um flamethrowers like weird magic storm guns like anything you could want there's a ton of variety and it feels really satisfying and really fun uh yeah like so i really don't have many complaints about the game except that Mm -hmm. it is a little content light right now especially if you don't want to get microtransactions um Mm. and obviously like that's where the early access part comes in they're promising to add more content um, based on the fact that they've already like been good about releasing patches in the week or two it's been out. There's, <clears throat> I don't know, Epic Games has been kind of crappy about this in the past, but they seem like they're doing a better job this time. Only time will tell. Um, but like right now, if you play 50 hours, which for an online game is not a ton um, and I'll, I have not yet played 50 hours, but apparently once you do, you're like, you're out. That's it. There's nothing else to do unless you pay microtransactions to buy new stuff. You're not going to get anything else. Mm. Um, and in general, it can feel a little samey. Like, I don't mind that. I enjoy the core gameplay so much, I don't mind doing the same thing over and over. But it's mm-hmm. it's perfectly understandable that some people absolutely will. Um, and I'll get to why specifically that bothers me in a second. The other thing, I guess, is that it is a little easy... Um, you have to start doing a series of quests, which are, you know, basically like a light tutorial. Like the first, I think five quests are just straight up a tutorial. But then after that, they're like introducing new parts of the game, one thing at a time, but it's not exactly a tutorial. Mm. Um, and I really don't think the way it handles it is bad, but it is. And even once you get out of that stuff though, it is kind of easy. Um, now, Again, this is somebody who's played a lot of these types of games, but there mm-hmm. is no way to actually change the difficulty. So ah. if that's the thing. Like, if you're a veteran of these sorts of games, who's probably the only people playing it right now, it's probably going to be a little too easy for you. Uh, they go down pretty quick once you figure out good strategies. Um, again, that is the that is mostly limited by the fact that you only have a certain number of materials and, like, you're limited to whatever materials just happen to be in the map. So, like, I talked about my double-barreled shotgun. Well, then there was a long stretch of time where I couldn't find the materials to craft new ammo for it because you don't find ammo. You have to make it. You have to make everything pretty much. Um, um, Again, unless you pay. Uh, So I had to... uh, I, I like I had to try other weapons like I tried a sword for a bit and a rocket launcher for a bit and like so it kind of forces variety in that regard and I think that's actually a really good thing especially as I said in a game that like if it, you it, it means that you're not just like you don't just find like oh this is the best possible fort for this map and then you build it every time which would make a game that already doesn't have a ton of variety just boring as hell mm. uh, so I think it's I think it's a really good system in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. The single biggest problem with the game, though, and the reason that I can't really overlook these other things, is that currently they're asking for $40 for the game. Well, there's Mm. different bundles you can get, and they range from 
$40 to $150. And the game is not worth $150 in its current state, and I'm honestly not sure it's worth 40 now they're saying it's going to be free to play when it actually comes out comes out in 2018 and i'm sure i'll follow up then with a proper review like a Mm -hmm. capital r review Mm -hmm. Uh, although i don't expect that a ton of stuff will be different um when that happens a game is supposed to go actually free to play supposedly these like upfront costs are basically to cover the like development stuff Mm -hmm. but i just if listen, if it was I as you can tell like from how much I've gushed about it, I really really like this game. Um mm-hmm. I would be recommending it to like everyone I know, like my friends who I played Dorks Must Die with, like you because you say you're interested. I'd be like, "Yes, you should get this game. It is great. I had a great time. It's got great presentation, great gameplay, uh even a pretty good soundtrack and like really nice Mm. cell shaded kind of tf2 cartoony graphics like there's so much that i love about it yeah but there's also so little content right now that you're gonna have to decide for yourself whether 40 dollars is worth it uh for me i don't know that it would be i got it for free because hey poor player uh and Mm. i honestly wonder if that and i talk about this in the preview clouded my judgment a little bit not in the sense that like I think I shouldn't have gotten it for free, but like if I had paid $40 for this, I would feel more ripped off. I I get that. Um, So definitely keep an eye out for when it comes out in 2018. I'm sure I'll be back on the show. If I'm still doing the show proselytizing again, like, Hey, Fortnite is out and it's good. Please get it. I just hope that this doesn't like tarnish its reputation too much. Um, That it's going to be, you know, the, when it actually comes out for free, people are going to forget it. And that's the other thing. Like, the microtransactions in a free-to-play game would not be bad. They're basically loot crates, uh, except instead of crates, they're, like, they're called llamas, and they're pinatas that you beat the crap out of and get stuff out of them, which is fun. It cute. fits with the game's style. Yeah, it's cute. Um, and, again, like, they're not bad, except for the fact that they're in a $40 game. And then you feel like, well... How come this $40 really full price game is, you know, forcing me to like, this is practically again, after level 50, this is the only way to progress like, Mm -hmm. or hour 50 rather. That's, that's some, that's some bull honky. Uh, yeah, I get it's that. bizarre. It's so bizarre to me that they would do like normally it goes the other way around, right? Like maybe the early access, like the beta will be free and then you have to pay for the full price version. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's very strange to me that they've chosen to make the one that will be less worth paying money for the one that mm-hmm. costs a lot of money too. Like if it was 20 bucks, I'd, mm-hmm. I'd probably be like, yeah, you should get it. If it was 20 bucks, mm-hmm. sure. 30, eh, 40. That's that's where I don't know. Um, so I'm not saying mm-hmm. that you shouldn't get Fortnite now, mm-hmm. but maybe you should. I'm saying you you got to make that decision for yourself, knowing that it's it's basically a dollar an hour, I guess, and that there are these microtransactions, and that it's going to be a little easy, and that not all the features are there. Mm-hmm. Um, my personal recommendation would probably be to wait, although. <laughs> I know I'll still be playing it, and part of me almost wants to be like, get it, so I have people to play with, (laughs) but that's (laughs) that's not fair. Uh, So yeah, Fortnite, good game. Can't wait for it to actually be free, 
like it should be now. It mm-hmm. should be free now. It it should be free now. It should be doing the gigantic thing where like you can get a pack that comes with a bunch of extra stuff. Yeah. If you want, but it should be free now. Is yep. how it should be. Uh, I get that. I get that. I I'm I'm liking what you're saying about it though cuz like I mean from the trailers I saw, I I don't know. I I like I kind of wanted to I want to see another like co-op um shooter survival thing again like yes. in the style of left for dead or um like 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 what you were saying before and i mean like i'm i'm really disappointed that they kind of went with this way of doing like a paid early access that has microtransactions when i had just played gigantic where i paid 30 dollars yeah. to get every character free forever like i don't know it's yeah. really weird it, it 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 really is a shame it really is yeah, because the game looks good. Um, I can good. tell you that, like, yeah, yeah. It, I would say that it lives up to the trailers, if anyone's okay. worried about that. Like, I, I think it lives up to that. Well, And one thing I didn't mention is uh, how cool the character designs are, too. Um, SJW bullshit! But no, this game uh, got a lot of praise for, like, uh, the diversity that's in it. Partially because, like, it's E3 stuff happened at a time when, like, a whole bunch of other games were white as shit. Uh-huh. Um, and I really appreciate the fact that let me just like open up the game launcher right now. Yeah, the four characters that it's showing here are the first character you play as, who is like the main human character of the game, uh, who is uh, Latina. She's a big buff uh, uh, Hispanic woman. Um, and then there's a chubby white girl um, and uh, a black guy and an Asian guy. Uh, and the person holding the katana in the picture is the black guy, which is kind of nice. Okay, um, so because <laughs> uh, there are katanas in the game, and they're they're pretty great. Uh, but like that's the thing is that uh, the the whole game has a lot of diversity and a lot of like just really good, really interesting character designs. Um, I always make the argument that like diversity in character designs isn't just about representation, although that is always great and important but mm-hmm. also just about, like, having more imaginative characters, uh, and I, I really feel like it delivers here. So that is yeah. also something that is good about Fortnite. It is a small thing, but something that I certainly appreciated. Nice, nice. And that is all I have to say about that. Um, I guess uh, I do kind of want to talk about... Uh, I watched Rick and Morty, uh the oh, new season talk. has started. Hmm? Oh, no, by all means, go ahead. <laughs> like, oh, yes. Uh, the the new season of Rick and Morty... Um, well, okay, so technically they released the first episode of season three uh, on April 1st um, as a something that sounds like an April Fool's joke, but actually was a true thing that happened, um, which is very in keeping with the character of the show. But they've now mm-hmm. started, you know, the season proper with episode two coming out last week. And episode three coming out tonight, because uh, we're recording on Sunday. So, whoops. Hope that whatever happens tonight doesn't invalidate everything I'm saying. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> but uh, I mostly want to talk about it because, like, there have been a lot of conflicting opinions on it. And uh, I didn't realize how, how good a segue this was, I guess. But um, some uh, some people really don't like it. And a lot of people uh, are saying that because, like this is the first season that has had female writers on the staff 
And uh, these, like, episodes have come out so far, and all the future episodes were, like, primarily written by those female writers. Um, and, or at least, you know, that's who the credit goes to, because you know how it is with these shows. Everyone has input. Um, mm-hmm. But they probably just turned out the final screenplay. And so this has sparked some completely unnecessary controversy with a bunch of people saying it's not funny now because women are writing it. Like, this isn't a super prevailing opinion, but I did want to respond to it largely because I don't know what show you're watching. This season, so far, has been the best yet. Like, it's not even close. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the first episode of this season was great, and everyone was talking about it when it came out, and is easily the best episode of the show. Most people can agree. Um, but this new one, what I really appreciate about it is that so Rick and Morty is, of course, arguably the biggest adult animated show right now. Certainly yep. one of them. And uh, my biggest problem with it has been, I am very much of the mindset that adult animation should be that we de- should mean that we are like dealing with more adult themes, telling more adult stories, and most adult animation is like let's appeal to nine-year-olds like let's be gross and oh look we have a cartoon character saying penis isn't that funny yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah um and so i've like i preferred bojack horseman to rick and morty as much as i've enjoyed rick and morty because rick and morty felt more like it was willing to go to the cheap dumb like gross like hey look what we can do well of humor Mm -hmm. um and it it's always had like interesting characterizations and stuff uh-huh. and uh sometimes interesting storytelling going on but for the most part it stayed under the surface until the season finale of last year mm-hmm. or la- not last year last season season 2 um really in general that's how it's been is the first and last episode of each season like moves the quote unquote plot forward and then the episodes in the middle um will have like Maybe interesting character moments, but not as much of that stuff. And so, as much as I loved the first episode of the season, I was like, is that going to be the end of it? Like, because what made the episode great was a lot of things, but a big part of it was, like, actually sort of dealing with the universe and moving the plot forward and changing up the status quo that uh, animated shows have a tendency to get into. And TV comedies in general, you know, where it's just the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Um and I was like, well, is that actually going to carry through? Uh, well, the big things that happened, and this is an extremely mild spoiler for the episode that came out in April. But one of the, bi- one of the big things that happened is Morty's parents uh, decided they were going to get divorced. So what I really liked is that this new episode was all about the various members of the family dealing with that divorce. It wasn't just like a one-shot, like a throwaway line that they never came back to. It was, at least in this episode, like, the plot. Like, that's what it was talking about, was uh, all these characters, like, trying to run away from actually having to deal with this divorce with the adventure. Um, And so I really like that, and I really hope that they keep up, like, making the story stuff a bigger part of the show. As funny as the jokes are, don't get me wrong, jokes are funny. I'll still watch it for the jokes, Mm -hmm. but... Uh, I, I'm really looking forward to what I is shaping up to be a more story-centric season. Um, that also has really, really good jokes. So I think so far, uh, this has been probably... Like, this season is, is great so far. 
Don't listen to the naysayers who are just mad because women exist, exist. I guess. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's still mostly written by the people that have been... Like, it's still mostly Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon's show. I don't know what you're... But whatever. People are crazy. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a real good time. Uh, yeah. I guess, really, that's all I had to talk about. So, uh, why don't we go to commercial break? But up, but. The Hey Poor Podcast is the official podcast of HeyPoorPlayer.com, your one-stop shop for video game and pop culture news, reviews, and editorials. If you like what you've heard here and don't want to wait till next Wednesday to hear more, that's a place where you can read all of our writing and the full reviews, or previews in Fortnite's case, of some of the games we've talked about here on the show. You can also follow us at HeyPoorPlayer on Twitter or Facebook, and you can check out our YouTube channel, which is the home of Second Opinion, I Coleman is Doomed, a whole host of Let's Plays, features, and reviews separate from the site proper, including, finally, videos that were not made by me. <laughs> Some non-me content, like uh, uh, our editor-in-chief, Francis DiPergio, did a very nice video review that I highly recommend you check out. It's doing quite well. Uh, beyond that, Nathan, what do you want to plug this week? Um... So, I have a video coming, well, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be out by Friday, and I got to demo a game, and I have some video thoughts, I'm going to make a video about my thoughts on it, I'm also going to write an article, I can't talk about the game because it hasn't been announced, but just keep an eye out for that, also because um, things have cooled down with my my part-time job, my job that actually pays me money so I can eat food and stuff, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, no, I'm not trying to jab or anything. I'm really just like saying that. But um, right, yeah, like so. Now that things have been eased up on there, I can actually like put the time into um doing more things for the channel. Like I said, I actually been kind of taking a step back from reviews, but now I want to do reviews again and do some more video content. So you know, it's not just I Coleman on the channel. Like I mean, <laughs> I, again, we all love I, but you know. There are like twenty of us on the on the site, and I'm pretty sure two of us can edit videos. So you know, it it, it like more videos yeah. the better. Anyway, for everybody. So yeah, just expect more from me in general. I'm not gonna like say or confirm the things. The anime games. The anime <laughs> games. But actually, there is a sh- there is like something I wanted to talk to you and Jay about specifically later. But that I'll save that for oh, another yes, podcast. Let's do but that. yeah, anyway. Yeah, so just uh, expect more from me in general. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr, Blazer Hoodie, one word. Uh, I'm most active on Twitter. And yeah, that's pretty much it. That's all I wanted to say. There you go. Uh, you can find me at Last Space Marine on Twitter. That's the best place to follow all my work. You can listen to my Star Wars podcast, at which is called Star Worst at starwurstcast.tumblr.com, S-T-A-R-W-O-R-S-T-C-A-S-T.tumblr.com. I've got a bunch of videos up. The only one I'm going to plug this week is technically from two weeks ago, which is the Ready Player One Second Opinion, which is the best thing I've ever done. Go watch that. I love it. (laughs) Uh, Actually, this week's week's I I Coleman is Doom number nine. Uh, is actually also pretty good. It presents, if you've ever wanted to know, what would it look like if I Coleman was the star of an anime? That episode answers that question for you. <laughs> a question that I'm sure no one has ever asked. But I also have a really big announcement that uh, is actually coming out on the same day as this podcast, uh, which is that you can go to steelarmgame.com 
and find out about my video game Steel Arm that I am announcing for the first time. Woo. And it's, oof, this is a video game that I've been working on for three years now and is going to be coming out this year. And it has been officially announced by the time you're hearing this. Um, God, I'm emotional now. Um, it is a, it's a detective adventure game uh, where that is all about infinite choice. Uh, where I worked with actual law enforcement and uh, like guidance counselor folks to make sure that the interrogations were like really realistic. Um, it has 30 different endings, so eat your fucking heart out, Walking Dead. We have three telltale, your choice matters bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's something that I'm really proud of, and I'm, I'm really excited that it's going to be coming out this year. Like I say, you can go to steelarmgame.com. The name of the game is Steel Arm. And uh, you can sign up for a list there where you will be notified of, like, all the exciting upcoming news uh, and watch that site as it develops. We're going to be putting more stuff on it. Of course, the game will be uh, actually releasing on some platforms soon, and I can talk more about that when it happens uh nathan and jay are both in the game as uh, fairly small roles like unpaid cameo roles but uh they're both there uh, i know you love those boys <laughs> yes and they both did really good jobs too um nathan i'm totally gonna say you were better just because you were here right now <laughs> and then next week when it's next week when jay's here and you might not be i'm gonna tell jay he was better um but uh yeah i'm extremely excited uh making making a this will be my second video game that i've actually made the first being the last space marine from which my twitter account takes its name i'm just rambling now i hope you like it if you like video games i will just say a word quickly vis-a-vis disclosure also today there will be a statement going up on the site it'll be called full disclosure a statement on steel arm that like discloses my relationship with the game and everything uh and nathan and jay's like just all that stuff. Uh, I know that the issue of games journalists who also make video games is a hot button issue right now. And I, I think that's fair. Like you should know. Um, I don't think that like, obviously I don't think that working on video games makes me, uh, unable to talk about them. If anything, I think that like having a game design perspective can be a very valuable thing. Um, but obviously you should be aware of what people are working on and what they're writing about. Uh, so we will not be covering the game. We will not be covering Steel Arm at all. We will not be reviewing it. Uh, no articles are going to go up about it except, again, this one, which is simply a statement of disclosure. Um, if anyone else who I worked with on Steel Arm works on any other games, they haven't yet. I made this team. <laughs> um <laughs> You know, we'll disclose those relationships, of course. Um, and the only place I'm going to be plugging it anywhere that's on Hey Poor Player, because, um, you know, obviously this is all my Twitter's going to be about, probably. But the only place I'll be plugging it that is related to Hey Poor Player is here on this podcast um, during this self-promotion segment. Uh, it's to, to make it clear that this is something that I did outside of Hey Poor Player. And Jay and Nathan helped a little bit. Also outside of Haypore Player is not... We, we are working to avoid all even pretense, even the, like the possibility of bias. Uh, and I've been working with the editorial staff on that, so fear not. Um, yeah. 
but it's it's extremely exciting for me. I'm extremely excited about it. Um, and then we also have by we I am now referring to Hey Poor Player, the Hey Poor Player forums. You can find that by clicking the link on our main site, and that's something we're getting started as a way to interact with you guys. I am stumbling over my words. Uh, the Hey Poor Player community. Unlike reading articles or watching videos with Adblock off or buying best-selling video games, the forums doesn't benefit us directly in a monetary sense, but it is a great way for you to get in touch with us. It's also a place where you can ask questions that will get featured on the podcast. Like... Three Sheets, participant on the Hey Poor Player forums who we haven't seen in a while, uh, and who's got a new avatar that is a picture of a small dog wearing aviator sunglasses. Sweet. Three Sheets asks, What's the most you feel a game has ever wasted your time? Bonus question, what's the most you feel actual real life has wasted your time? <laughs> I have to think about this. I feel like I've played a decent amount of those games since I started working on here, but, um, God, let me think. Do you have, a, do you have an answer, or you need to think about it, too? I don't know. Um, Man, you can ask... A, you can ask a simple question. You can ask, hey, tacos or burritos? You can... I swear we got that question, though. <laughs> Never mind. That's... <laughs> I think... Actually, I'm not sure we have. Oh. You want to answer that one instead? <laughs> I mean... Uh, I mean, if you're listening I to I usually podcast, get burritos. Uh, I think... I usually get tacos, but, like... I, the thing with me getting tacos is that, like, I always get hard shell if I can get it, and then, like, if I don't eat it immediately, then I immediately regret all of my decisions, just because, like, it gets so bad after the fact. Mm-hmm. Should have just got a sound. Okay, okay, so mine, I found it. Mine is Paul Pixel, and there's a reason specifically why this game was, like, it felt like a huge waste of time for me, other than the, like, besides the fact that the game was, like, two hours, and I know that doesn't sound like a lot of time, the thing is, is that Paul Pixel was a game I got for review specifically because I own a Mac, and this game only works on Mac OS X Steam. Um, but when I first installed the game on my computer, I kept getting an error message, and I couldn't run the game. And then I, I was like, okay, what the hell is going on? This game's about to get like a zero because I can't even run it, but... The the reason the game couldn't run is because I had to update my OS ten. I have to update my um my OS, and I was just like, that has never happened to me before where I needed to update anything like that. Like go to the next like like I don't ever remember like not playing a game because I didn't up like do the new Windows update. You know what I mean? So that took time mm-hmm. out of my day to update my fucking MacBook. Secondly, this game is actually a port of an iOS game, an iPhone, iPad game. So, when I was playing this game, not only is the fact that it's kind of mediocre, other than the fact that it was originally a mobile port that got put on Steam, which I'm getting super sick and tired of, and other than mm-hmm. the fact that this game is, like, Newgrounds level of, like, like adventure puzzle game and not even as good as those Newgrounds games, like, accumulates yeah. to it being... A fucking waste of time. The game's not even fucking funny. Like, you think a game where it's like, oh, it's a zombie apocalypse and I'm an average dude and I'm just, like, trying to fucking not die by being in a minivan Mm -hmm. would have some kind of humor? It's not funny. It's not funny at all. There's no good characters. Paul is a fucking douche. Like, a self-insert douche. And, ugh, like, I can't... Like, I've never, like, played a game where I'm like, you know what? I could have just played, like, 
the original Super Meat Boy on Newgrounds and have had a better time. Like, it's just, uh, mm-hmm. ah, I don't know. I gave it a two and a half out of five because it's not bad. It's bad. I didn't like it, but it's like functioning. It's like the bare minimum of a video game, like pretty much to me. So yeah. that's why I gave it that. Otherwise, like, the game wasn't, like, it was two hours of just steamrolling through a not funny, not good looking. I had to update my fucking MacBook, which took longer than to beat the game. So, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> That's mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So my answer, I guess, is kind of in general point-and-click adventure games. Like, obviously, I love those. Like, ten seconds ago, I talked about how I've spent the last three years making a point-and-click adventure game. Um, but, like, they will often have things that waste your time. They will have, like, a lot of pet. Like, all point-and-click adventure games have a lot of story and a lot of talking. The good ones will have interesting story and will also have ways to, like, they know how to keep it fairly trim so that you're at least moving around talking to new characters. And the worst ones are just standing there forever. Um, and I was going to say the King's Quest games, uh, the old ones, not the one that got one of our Game of the Year awards last year. Um, as much as I like enjoy King's Quest and have a fondness for King's Quest as a series, and you kind of have to as like one of the first games of that type, certainly very important. Um but man, those fuckers waste your time. They make you do some stupid shit sometimes, and they have so much like walking back and forth, like walk from one side of the map to the other side of the map, then back. Stupid bullshit. But I think for me, probably the worst one, the worst, most time-wasting game I've ever played has got to be The Mystery of the Druids, which is best known for its hilarious cover art. Nathan, I'm going to send you a picture here. A few pictures, I guess. With... <laughs> Go ahead and let's, click let's, on that. Let's see, and, uh... let's see this. Let's see this good, good. Oh, Lord. <laughs> that is the real box art and almost certainly the album art for this episode of the podcast. How can you How can you not want to buy a game with that cover art, though? Isn't that the face of, like, super accommodation and, like, wholesomeness? No, I fuck this. this is... If you've never seen it, the picture is, like... The worst 3D render you've ever seen. Like a fucking Gary's Mod 3D render of a druid, question mark, screaming. (laughs) No, that's just Um, just the homeless man in San Francisco, my dude. Like, that's not even a druid. (laughs) Yeah, um, and of all of the point-and-click adventure games I've played, don't play Mystery of the Druids. It's on Steam now. God knows why. Don't play it. If you want to experience it... Uh, the Retsupre YouTube channel has a has a pretty good, uh, pretty funny, like, long play of the whole thing. But this, more than any other adventure game I've played, other than, like, a modern Telltale game, which isn't really the same thing, has the most talking and the least puzzling of any game. And it's a pretty long game. And so many, like... Really, all you fucking do in this game is just talk and listen to people talk about the most obvious shit. Uh, like, four or five times you will ask a character the question, like, what? what's a druid? Like, just an obvious... Like, this game really insults your intelligence so much. And then also, a lot of the puzzles are if you don't get the exact, like... If you don't get the exact conversational thing that tells you the next thing to do... One example I think of is you have to talk to this guy, Blake, 
And uh, after talking to him for an hour and a goddamn half, because he's literally just the exposition guy, I swan to John. But after you talk to him for so long, he will then tell you, uh, so if you like get a specific order of, of conversational choices, he will tell you that he wants you to go pick up a book from him for the library. Which, first of all, this is the level of high adventure you're getting in Mystery of the Druids. Go to the library and check out a book. But second of all, if you don't, get that particular conversational option and you don't unlock the next thing to do you don't lose the game or anything but you have to start the conversation with him over again from the beginning it's like in the like legend of zelda or whatever and it would be like uh-huh. uh did you get all that and you accidentally click no and you have to listen to it again except that is the game that is the game play is having Jesus. to listen to these same boring conversations over and over again and, like, there being so many single-use items that you would, you know, like, oh, you used it the wrong way. Now you have to go all the way back and get it to get I cannot think of a, a an adventure game that has more time-wasting. And it's just, like, bad in general. Like, the story and the gameplay aren't good either. It's not like you're getting anything good out of it. But mostly it's just talking. Yeah. So I think that's probably the worst any game has just straight up fucking wasted my time. Like it wasn't it it was doing nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um uh. The other question, what's the most you feel actual real life has wasted your time? Um uh. League of Legends. There you go. <laughs> just since we, were talking, you go. Since we were talking about it. I guess my other podcast, man, I'm just plugging all my stuff here in the commercial break, (laughs) but I guess my other podcast, Star Wars, the premise of that is we watch an episode of the 2008 Clone Wars series every week, and then we talk about it, and uh, some weeks, if I'm doing the synopsis, I will, like, frequently watch the episode twice, you know, to, like, really get a handle on it and really talk about Mm -hmm. it. And goddamn, that that TV show sucks so much, (laughs) and it's so much padding, like, I don't know if it's a waste of time, because I like doing the show, and it's doing all right for itself, but, like, that is, like, the part of my week that I, like, look forward to the least, is having to watch that god... I'm not even exaggerating here. I'm not being comedic. I fucking hate that show. And the more you like Star Wars, the more you hate it. <laughs> the reason it's called Star Worst is probably the most... That's probably the most of my time that I, like, oh, I'm just throwing this time into the trash every week. I'm just doing something that does not further my growth as a human being at all. Uh, Three Sheets also has a food question. I thought normally Ken and S had a food question. Uh, Seems like we got a little Thunderdome action going to need to happen here. (laughs) Uh, But Three Sheets asks, what are some childhood comfort foods you still go back to? Mm, Childhood comfort food. Um, So, are we talking about like food food or snacks or what do we what do you what are you thinking i don't know uh the answer for me thinking about it is probably like i don't know that we had a love like specific comfort food that was like food made over and over again mm-hmm. but um a lot of the foods that we eat at the jewish holidays and that like my family specifically would make mm-hmm. uh comes to mind like um we my mom would always make like kosher for passover chocolate tort mm-hmm. and when i started living alone and couldn't have that every Passover. It like it felt like I was missing something. I get that. So I think those are like the dishes that for me, like when I have them, like it takes me back to being a little kid and like celebrating the holidays with my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's probably the closest to comfort food I have. Um, 
Actually, I guess apple cider. When I'm feeling really bad, I will also drink like I will drink apple cider a lot, just because fall is my favorite time of year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was, you know, born in November, and that's also where a lot of the Jewish holidays happen. Like a lot of good stuff has historically happened to me in the fall. So sometimes if I'm having a crappy day, mm-hmm. I will I'll drink some apple cider and try to convince myself it's fall. I feel that. So there you go. There's some comfort foods. Um, for me, I guess comfort food. I'll just, like, name one food and then one drink and then maybe, like, a snack or something. But, like, comfort food for me – actually, I'm just eating it right now – is actually um, – so there's a Filipino dish called lumpia, which is very uh, similar to, uh, like, Asi- uh, Chinese egg rolls. And that's actually where the influence comes from, is from uh, Chinese egg rolls. There's actually two types of lumpia. One where it's called Shanghai lumpia, which is smaller, and, um, and then there's just normal lumpia, which is larger and not fried. But essentially, that's a comfort food for me because it's such a... For as easy and small as a dish it looks, it's actually really difficult to prepare properly, especially if you do it the traditional way. Mm-hmm. And I rem- I just get, like, uh, like sort of flashbacks of my, like, my grandma, like, coming over from Southern California to just, like, hang out with us. And then, like, she would make lumpia for us. And, like, mm-hmm. just... It feels like it just, not only does it remind me of like my grandma and reminds me of like my family in general, but it's also just a good ass meal, like little piece of food that I can eat with rice or anything or just by itself. And I don't know, like I can always enjoy lumpia. There's never a time where I'm like, oh, I'm tired of this because with Filipino food, I had it every day when I was much younger. So I kind of got tired of sure. it. So lumpia never got tired of uh, just a good ass fucking like snack, but also food. Like, you can eat it with rice, you can eat it with anything, and it's fucking great. And as for drink, I I don't know, this is weird, but, like, I always, I really like green tea. It's something comforting about it, other than the fact that it's, like, super soothing to drink. But in general, like, I don't know, I always associate green tea with either, like, relaxation or productivity, which, Mm -hmm. in a way, is, like, for me, when I'm being productive, I feel relaxed, actually. I'm not... Because there's a difference between stressing for a deadline and being just, like, productive and, like, not stressing about it. You know what I mean? So, yeah, like, yeah, those are the two things for me. So, green tea and lumpia would be my things. Like, just because, yeah, I don't know. Lumpia reminds me of my family, and green tea is just soothing as fuck. There you go. Green tea and lumpia or uh, Passover tort and... Uh, We're getting real cider. cultural on this show, my boys. Yeah. No, just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it is. I think that that's, yeah. you know... That's what you go back to, or like the the special yep, foods. Exactly. When we return, news, I guess. So the first thing this week is not funny, and I don't know how much we're going to talk mm-hmm. about it. But Nathan and I discussed before the show. There's something we feel is important to talk about. It is probably the biggest news, like, in games journalism right now, and a lot of people have been talking about it this weekend. Um, It's possible that there will be developments in this story by the time this episode goes up. Again, we're recording on a Sunday, and this show goes up on a Wednesday, so uh, apologies if there's, like, new information since then that we don't know, because we know it's it's a sensitive issue. Um... But, so, Nick Robinson, uh, we've, we've made no secret on this show of our enjoyment of Polygon's various properties, um, and me, uh, the McElroy brothers in general, uh, Jay and I have talked about our enjoyment of the Adventure Zone and, uh, Monster Factory, 
Um, and, uh, of course, Nick Robinson also frequently collaborates with mm -hmm. those people uh, and works for Polygon and is both a reviewer and uh, especially a, a video maker there. Um, and this week, this past week, uh, mainly on Friday, uh, some allegations came out that were basically that he has been uh, sexually harassing um, to various extents. It's hard. We don't know exactly what he has done slash has been accused of doing. Um, it, anything from uh, just like harassing women, you know, repeatedly soliciting them for, for sex or sexual uh, favors um, to possibly some slightly more extreme things but uh the the yeah and the situation is serious enough that um he has been suspended from polygon and uh sorry people in the next room are being loud the situation is serious enough that he's been suspended from polygon and vox media which owns polygon is going to be doing an inquiry into finding out, you know, uh, what what the truth is behind this, which is fairly standard procedure when allegations like this, you know, come out and are as big as they are, um, okay. is you. the obvious answer, which is to, you know, find out the truth of them. But uh, obviously, regardless of what we're seeing, which is mostly a lot of tweets and stuff about the issue, obviously there's something there that is making a fairly large media company pay attention. Uh, we've talked about, you know, gross gaming personalities before. Mm -hmm. Um, we, uh, we had a long and I thought quite productive conversation about PewDiePie <laughs> in part because it was the only one I saw that actually involved a Jewish person, which was me. Um, and, uh, John Tron a bit, I think when that was happening, I can't remember how much we talked about that, but I know we talked about some, um, and, uh, but this one is a little difficult for some of us because we, you know, it's 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 easy to make fun of PewDiePie when he does something horrible because we are not his target audience and we don't really watch yep. his stuff. Uh, but I know you you actually met Nick Robinson at a, what was it that you met him at again? I actually met him at the ukulele uh, preview event this year. <laughs> it was earlier this yeah. year, yes. Mm. Yeah, and I uh, took a picture with him and talked about... Uh, at the time, how he was uh, one of your big influences, which I don't think is, you know, I don't think you should be ashamed in having said that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, that was a very, yeah, so when I, for, okay, so, like, just to give a little backstory, um, I live a, I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I pretty much have only been doing this sort of um, amateur game journalism thing for, like, it's almost been a year now. It's like, next month, it'll be a year, I think, or in the next few months, it'll be a year. But anyway, so I've watched Nick Robinson since his days on Revision 3, and I'm not, like, I don't idolize the man by any means, but as someone who is, like, into anime, who likes similar games, who kind of, like, he was kind of like, oh, I want to be like this. I want to get to a point in Game Drizzle where I can be like Nick Robinson, where I right. can, like, make dumb videos about video games and occasionally, like, post shit posts on my YouTube channel about anime. Like, and, like, live in San Francisco, which is the most expensive fucking city in this damn country. And, like, <laughs> like he was just essentially, like, these are goals. Like, I want to, like, 
be in his position, right? And so I met him at the ukulele event, and I was very happy about it. I was excited. And when I talked to him, I, like, even brought up Rev Rev 3, and he's like, man, you've been watching, like, for a while. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, (laughs) so. Yeah. But after hearing this, like, I wasn't, I'm not going to say, like, to the extent, like, I was heartbroken or whatever, or, like, oh, my God, my hero, like, did this. It's like, no, he was never my hero. He was just someone, like, like I right. wanted to be like. Now, when I heard this, I but I am extremely disappointed and, like, disgusted at, like, everything that's kind of, like, gone. Like, I've read this, I read this story, like, two days ago, or I read, I've been reading up on, t- like, what has been going on two days ago and pe- reading people's reactions, and I'm just, like, utterly disgusted because you are in a position that people would like literally like kill for like i'm i want to be i wanted to be in your position like you know what i mean like i'm working hard so i could be like like what you to do what you do and like not only are you abusing your power and just overall being a disgusting human being like it's just i don't know like for me like and the thing is nick robinson a lot of people looked up to nick robinson a lot, he's a public figure he is known mm-hmm. on the internet for you know like, with his work on Polygon and with, like, the, Ma- the McElroys and such. And, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's disheartening to see that someone in my field is doing something like that. It's disgusting. But it's also, like, for me, it was a little, it hurt a little more because I met the guy. Like, I know people who know the guy because um, yeah. I have friends. Because, like, when you're, it, it's a pretty small bubble out here in the Bay Area. And, like, I had friends who, go, who went to college. And they they are like they have friends who are friends with him, and now I'm just like, God, like what the fuck? Like I hope nothing happened mm-hmm. to them, and like now it's just scary to think about. Like, what if it, what if it wasn't me who met Nick Robinson? My sister was with me. What if it was my sister who met Nick Robinson? Just like all these scary thoughts, right? And it's like sure. so disgusting that someone in my field, but someone I know, pers- someone like I don't know him that well. I don't know him personally, but like I know right, to an extent. You, but I yeah, you yeah. have that connection. Yeah, so. Yeah, overall, just super disgusted and, like, like I can't even say, like, there's harsher words I could say other than disgusting or disgusted. I just don't want to at this time, but, mm-hmm. yeah, just horrible, horrible. And I'm happy with how Polygon is handling it and, the seri- and like, the fact that they're taking it seriously. But I will say right off the bat that, um, like, a friend of mine brought this up, and he, he doesn't work in video games, but he works, like, in media. He He actually is a social media manager of Viz Media who does anime and he said like the sad truth is is like in our fields if this was like someone in a lower position of power nothing probably would have happened which is mm-hmm. really dis- which is really it sad because it's public. true yeah, yeah it's and it's true but yeah I'm glad Polygon's taking the necessary steps I'm very disappointed in Dick Robinson absolutely disgusted again nothing is set in stone but I've always been the kind of person that I would rather at least in this point, at this stage, side with a victim rather than right, like the sure. risk, than risk siding with a potential like fucking sexual harasser, fucking predator, right. et, cetera, at the, et cetera. At this at this point, like enough has come forward, and enough different people, like from different places, different walks of life, telling the same story. Yep. That like it's clear that there was something here. I think the main question is like how serious was it? Like yeah. did he just make some inappropriate comments? That can be forgiven. Um whether or not Vox Media chooses to is on them. You know, was there yeah. actual harmful action taken 
Um, and or, you know, it could still just be comments, but were those comments, you know, severe to such a degree that it's something that you don't want to associate yeah. yourself with? Yeah. Um, so it's it's yeah, the exact uh, uh, nature of, of the allegations and, and the truth that will come out. I'm sure the inquiry will, you know, find the truth of that. Um, and, and I'm I'm in the same place of like. You almost don't want to believe it, but like, you, you know that, yeah. I mean, you kind of have to. Yeah. Uh, for me, I know it's a similar feeling to I had with um, Bill Cosby uh, growing up. Um, comedy has always been important to me. I think it's something that's shown here on this show. I actually did stand up comedy for a little bit, uh, and I still, you know. I like to think of myself as a fine person. I try to inject humor into all the things I do. I think that much of my work for a hey poor player involves being funny. Um, and that's, that's just always been a huge part of my life. Uh, and one of my favorite comedians growing up was Bill Cosby. He was someone that I very much wanted to be. Like, you know, the Cosby show was a huge leap forward for black people being on television. Um, and uh, I always admired the fact that he was a clean comedian who was still... Like, just absolutely hilarious. Um, and, hell, I mean, like, it, it, in my family, like, my dad and I, like, could practically quote his Bill Cosby himself special, like, back and forth all the time. And then, you know, all that stuff came out. And, uh, yeah, I, it's, I imagine it's kind of similar to you, where it's like, you know, someone who is like, I want to be, reveals himself to be someone who you absolutely do not want to be. Um, I think a big thing to remember is to leave the people alone who are directly affected by this, those who are coming forward and though like, you know, Griffin McElroy and the people, the other people at Polygon who've worked with him. um, This is not, (laughs) this is not the time to be harassing anyone. Like we, you know, we talk about it. We have a personal investment as consumers of his media. Sure. As as Mm -hmm. an audience, but that is not the same sort of relationship and there are definitely uh, people, even people who I would say are probably on the side of right, or at least have the right intentions, who are absolutely like t- taking things too far, taking things too personally. Mm-hmm. Um, and and just some of the comments that are being made, some of the the things that are being thrown around on on all sides. Uh, I, I think it's very much sort of the thing where we'll just wait for the inquiry and, you know, just, like, see just see how this plays out. Um, and that's that's why we were a little hesitant to cover it on here, because we don't want to, like, talk about it like it's a story. Yeah. And it's, um, it's, different, it's different from, again, like, the PewDiePie thing was, like, a public statement he made. And we are critics. We can critically take apart somebody's statement. But, like, taking apart somebody's life's life somebody's actions somebody's you know what was their intent this yeah. is not our job yep to judge people yep um again it's a big story so i felt like we should we should talk about it but uh yeah yeah I, mean, I i think yeah i think it's definitely you hit the nail on the head when you said that it was extremely disappointing to see someone in our field uh be like this and someone who y- you would have never expected um, he very much, Nick Robinson and really Polygon in general very much has this sort of persona of being like the good guys of gaming. Um, you know, the, the, the moral purists maybe to a certain extent. Yeah. Uh, and 
the, the, the possibly there's a, a lot of what's being put around saying that he actually used that like used the perception of him as this sweet innocent um trustworthy guy in games media you know one of the one of the good ones to possibly hurt some women um and that that to me is is one of the most uh offensive things because it really feels you know it feels like who can you trust i mean i yep. thought about maybe like we should say so like we should have some kind of affirmation of here of like we're not gonna turn out to be shitty people and you know i i certainly think that's the case i have no intention of sexually abusing anyone i can tell yeah. you that right now but like that's not really the point is it yeah uh, the point is in the industry and the tech industry in general there's someone who's yep. a computer science major and who works in you know coding and uh, uh has done marketing for startups and is very much like the tech culture here in lincoln is my culture still so much of it is just still so hostile towards women yeah and that's yeah. that's something that we really need to do better at uh, mm-hmm. that's that's more important than like the inclusion stuff is important and i think it's important in large part because it can lead to those sorts of things you know you normalize women in video games normalizes women in the games industry yeah but that's that's really what we need to make sure we're doing uh that's why you know we have worked to have like bethany and uh heather on here and hey poor player uh on not as much on the podcast anymore um just because that's not where the podcast has gone Mm -hmm. but uh and scheduling is a fucking nightmare but like we always try to highlight their stuff and i think that uh that is very important yep um i think it's also important um to note that and this is just this isn't the majority of the internet this is just like a small vocal minority but like People who say that, like, how could Nick Robinson, like, he's a scrawny, like, dude who just works in video games. What abusive power could he have possibly possibly done? And it's like, well, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's nonsense. Yeah, that's absolute <laughs> nonsense. I'm sorry. But, like, when it's any kind of abuse when it's someone, like, in a higher position than you, regardless of what field it is, I'm sorry. It Like, these people were more scared that they wouldn't be able to work in game journalism again. And, like, that's a legitimate fear that they have the right to have, you know? It's, that's... You, oh, you'll, sure. You'll yeah. never, like, He, he yeah. definitely, maybe not now that this has come out, but he definitely, you know, had the power to bury people, such yeah. as it is. And, like, he, you know, we've, there have been examples of him, like, talking shit on a game or talking shit on somebody and, you know, that thing ends up in trouble. Which I'm not saying he's ever used wrongly, like you know yeah. some of the shit that gets called out yeah. deserves to get called out but you but can't it's like... say that the guy doesn't have like sway or power in his respective yeah. field he t- 100% does and people need to fucking understand that i'm sorry yeah like, and the, and yeah. you know there's there's always emotional abuse you know it, it doesn't necessarily yep. abuse doesn't have to have a physical component. element yep. uh, you can absolutely manipulate people mm-hmm. into into doing things that they don't want to do or doing horrible things or yep yeah I've seen that firsthand. Um, not experienced it firsthand, thank God, but but seen it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that's 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 nonsense. Yep. But yeah, I mean, I I don't have any more to say on it. I'm just extremely disappointed, and like this whole situation is just very sad. And I hope at I hope at the very least the victims get some. Maybe they won't like depending on like the extent of like the damage or like what he's actually done like maybe like i'm always uh, i always i always know that like most people who suffered through some type of abuse maybe they'll never get over it but i hope they at least find some closure with 
all that's going on. You know, mm-hmm. I just that's what I hope. That's what I hope. Sure, sure. All right. Now to transition out of that Woo. back to our Ding Dong podcast. The Ding Dongs. Let's go. <laughs> I don't know. Um. Yeah. So uh, another news story that we have this week. Uh, I I think this this of all the stories we have will probably be the best palate cleanser after that. Fuck Valve. Okay. Uh, another fuck valve moment. Let's go. Another fuck valve moment. Um, so this week, uh, uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. I forgot the name because I'm an idiot. Player <laughs> Unknown's Battlegrounds, a game that I personally still do not understand. <laughs> but I mean, I don't play those kind of games in general. I I tried H one Z one and just like I'm like I'm not having fun, and people are like saying really racist things to me, so I'm not gonna play. <laughs> what? Shocking. Shocking. Um, but uh, yeah. So uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds uh surpassed um Counter Strike Global Offensive. Wow. In- uh, number of views and things this week. And that itself is not, you know, a fuck Valve moment. That's like a good on you player unknown, I guess. Um, but uh, it, it's really sort of brought to light a lot of the things that Valve has done um, recently to kind of run Counter-Strike into the ground. And I was not aware of this. I, I tweeted out earlier a really good article about it uh, that's on... <laughs> A website that's called indiannoob.in, which is a an Indian gaming website that actually, I mean, this is a really good article, so, you know, no judgment. Uh, we're a tiny site, too, but I had a really good breakdown of, like, a lot of things that Valve has done, uh, and a lot of it is the same stuff I talked about with Team Fortress 2, where they've been just uh, prioritizing, like, microtransactions and the things that you buy over actually making the game... Uh, playable um, and uh, there's apparently a huge problem with like Valve anti-cheat not working and they're just not updating it um, and uh, uh, like the lack of weapons variety still being a problem because uh, and this I talked about in my like Valve second opinion um, apparently they have a big recurring problem where they will in order to, like, deal with the lack of weapons variety, introduce a new weapon, and then that weapon will be extremely OP, and then they will nerf it so hard that it's useless, and then everyone just goes back to using the same weapons they did before, because <laughs> those are the ones that work, uh, which is hilarious to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I'm I'm just, I guess, kind of curious as you, who is someone who has maybe not done as much, like, uh, research into Valve, like I don't know. What do you think of this? Um, of Counter Strike Global Offensive, a lot of people now saying that, uh, like, it might be dead or dying. It um, might be soon to be over. Okay, the thing is, I follow Counter Strike as an esport because for those of you, I made it, I made no like secret of it that like I am really heavily invested into esports as a whole. Yeah, and if I could probably do a specific field of game journalism it'd probably be esports but um i'm not surprised at all because valve does not take care of counter-strike and like the okay the the problem with valve and saying counter-strike is dead is that this has like i'm not gonna say that that's a true statement but it's been a long time coming for like how like considering like how they handled like 
cheating, how they've handled their esports scene, like how prize pots and like yeah, like leagues are done, how they handle fucking like the Steam Workshop of all things gambling. Like they've handled everything that's probably happened within Counter Strike in the past like like the past five years very very poorly. You know, like and it's not surprising to me that like Player Unknown Battleground, a game that is supporting esports, supporting their players by like taking community feedback and then like actually giving good updates and like decent like everything, you know, in terms of just like listening to the players and like plan mm-hmm. like updating accordingly. Like they don't they listen. And that's the thing. Valve never listens. We already know Valve doesn't listen. So what do you expect like And they certainly don't talk back like they yeah. don't communicate anything ever at all that's a huge problem yeah and you need that transparency in esports especially because these are like it's not just like oh it's not just a video game at this point these are people's livelihoods like leagues organizations depend on valve making sure that counter-strike works properly and that like as a game it functions and like players are happy with it because even the slightest imbalances change the entire, like, ecosystem of the metagame. So, I'm not surprised. I'm disappointed in Valve, but I've been saying that for five years with how Valve handles fucking Counter-Strike and just every game. I don't know to the extent of Dota 2. I can't speak on that because that's, like, one of the only esports titles I don't follow. It's a little bit... They've still had a lot of the Valve-licious problems, but it's a little bit better because it's, like... It's basically a different team. It's basically the team that made the original Dota, like, led yeah. by Ice Frog, mm-hmm. came and took charge of Dota 2. It's yeah. less like Valve, you know, like the, the Valve Corporation. Yeah. yeah. And so it's a little better. There's still been some abhorrently handled tournaments to a certain Dota 2 like player and esports watcher. All I have to do is say perfect world, and they will know exactly what I'm talking about. There was um, a legendarily poorly run tournament. Yeah, and, like, the thing is... yeah, And and, and taking, like, 90% of the international prize pool for themselves. Yeah, yeah. Some general, some general shadiness, but they are actually better about responding to updates and things. Or, like, well, updating in general, but also, like, responding to community concerns in a way that is mostly not stupid. Mostly. Or was that one time when they just decided to change the entire game for no reason, basically? Yeah. And people weren't happy about that, but I, I would say in general they've been better than, like, TF2 is uh, the the example that is more like Counter-Strike than I've seen, where, like, they've all of the quote-unquote updates they have now are just taking the, like, top two most popular community maps, not paying the community map makers anything, and releasing them as official maps with a whole bunch of more community-made, like, art crap that you can buy. Yeah. And And then mm -hmm. when they actually did try to make their own update, the Meet Your Match update, which, like, was around the time Overwatch came out and was starting to overtake TF2, so it was like, you need to update right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, They made the worst update in TF2's history and made the game broken and unplayable and garbage and shitty. Uh. Uh, So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what What's kind of been heartening to me about this news, because I know we always complain about, like, oh, we're reporting on the same news over and over, and I know this might feel a little bit like that, but one is the fact that people are actually taking Valve to task, that people are actually willing to say, like, this is Valve's fault. Um, and uh, to be fair, 
Part of that might be because Counter-Strike Global Offensive has a notoriously disgusting player base. Um, <laughs> just extremely salty on a good day. Yeah, I'm not even going to die. I, look, I played Counter-Strike for a good portion, for a good year of my college life, and I'm not going to... It it was not the most pleasant experience. I'm, I'm not going to say I didn't have fun. I'm just going to say that it was very similar in, to League of Legends in the sense that like after a game... And after someone yeah. saying something racist, I just kind of wanted to not play anymore. Oh, yeah. No, Dota 2 has a cancerous community as well, as does League of Legends, both pretty famously. So, mm-hmm. um, so, so you know. it. And the phone's ringing in the background. <laughs> I should, yeah, Audacity's picking it up, so I'll just wait for that to finish. No problem. There we go. Thank you. Um... Damn, what are we talking about? Uh, right, yes. Uh, so I like the fact that uh, people are actually uh, taking Valve to task. Yep. Um, but also, like, it's it's interesting to me that it's an indie studio that has overtaken them. Um, like, because TF2, it took Overwatch and a little bit of Battleborn, but mostly it took Overwatch to kill it, right? It took Blizzard, the gaming giant. Yep, yep. Um, Dota 2 isn't really dead, so it's not really a clear example. But, like, in general, like, if something is going to, you know, overtake Valve, it's it's got to be something huge. Yep. Uh, even when Valve has spent years doing nothing. Um, <laughs> I mean... Half-Life will never be unseated in some people's minds as the best FPS ever, no matter what happens. Yep. Um, I think it's really interesting that in this case, what really sort of brought down was Player Unknown's Battlegrounds, a game that I still do not understand. But, um, like, I, I think more and more we are seeing the rise, and a lot of people have said this before, I don't think I'm saying anything new, but I think we are going to see kind of the fall of some of the big AAA studios and kind of the rise of more indie studios and indie games for a lot of reasons. Um, It's easier than ever to make indie games, Mm -hmm. uh, being a big one, of course, but also it's easier than ever to, like, market indie games Um, and, you know, for there to be a, a lot of buzz about them on, like, Twitter and Facebook and Tumblr and the places where these things matter. I mean, that's how Undertale got so huge, and fuck, what's the game that most people, even non-gamers, have been talking about in the past, like, two or three weeks? What has been the big game? It's been fucking Dream Daddy. Oof, Dream Daddy. (laughs) Say what you will about that. That is another example where, like... And I mean, I guess, you know, it had the game grumps involved with it, so, like, it was... But even then, you know, the fact that, like, these weird guys who play video games on YouTube are now a bigger marketing force than Valve. Right. Um, I think it's something that's interesting to see. And I think overall it'll be a good thing because, like, yeah, people should be supporting the company that responds to them and that makes updates that they like and all of that stuff. Like, yep. duh, that, that should be the company that we're rewarding, not the one that's just trying to charge you for garbage guns yep yep, um, yep. And, and so i think overall the fact that there is a wider range of options is only going to be a good thing for games i'm optimistic that's a first no, i'm just kidding i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> no that's fair i've earned that <laughs> no but Fuck like Valve, but yeah no like i mean i'm not surprised at this point but yeah it's 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 still shitty as, as all hell yeah 
Um, uh, I guess really the only other piece of news I think we have, probably not a lot to this one, but uh, Bioware Montreal is dead. Yeah, that's news. <laughs> Shit. Uh, Bioware Montreal is uh, being destroyed, dissolved, a whole bunch of layoffs that's being folded into uh, EA Motive, which is extremely not surprising. Um, because, like... Oh, actually, there are no layoffs currently, supposedly. Um, sometimes it's the sort of thing where they, like, just say there's no layoffs and then have them later for a quote-unquote unrelated reason. But so far, mm-hmm. there are actually going to be no layoffs, which is good, uh, as we wouldn't want to, you know... Yeah, no, no one should have to lose their job. Oh, yeah. EA, just because EA is evil. But this is also extremely unsurprising because this is what EA does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They acquire companies and then they, uh, dissolve, and then they like ring them dry for a little bit until the name stops making money and then, and then dissolves yep, them. Yep. And exactly. it's usually as the result of some major flop. So they're not saying that this is the reason, but I definitely think that. The fact that Mass Effect Andromeda did not make the money EA wanted it to make, and yeah. was especially such a critical, I don't know that it's exactly a failure, but certainly not a critical success. No, not by any means. Not like not even to the extent of like the original Mass Effect yeah. games. Nowhere Criti- near critical close. disappointment is a good way to put it. Critical disappointment. Yeah, for sure. Um, even our own bethany meadows who uh wrote a whole article like when we started seeing the hilariously bad animations when those were coming out she wrote a whole article that was like don't give up on andromeda just yet and then she reviewed it and she gave it uh i believe a 3.5 out of 5 yep um and she was like i want to like it more but honestly only the die hardest of mass effect fans should really bother with this yep makes um, makes sense honestly and and this is this is often what ea does is they uh they th- when something like that happens they will like get rid of the company that made it because like oh the bioware name is no longer trading well and they'll still keep the people around but now it's going to be ea motive mm-hmm. which is apparently the developer that's working on battlefront 2 this head by a former Ubisoft executive. And EA Motive is in Montreal, which is probably obvious, but yeah, that's so that's why Bioware Montreal is going there. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that uh, actually like regular ass Bioware might be next? Um, I don't think regular ass Bioware will be next. I think if anything. I don't know. Like, I don't think, like, th- I don't think they have the guts to do that because I don't think Bioware as a studio, I, Bioware as a studio has a name, so I think it's safe for the most part, but I don't know. Like, I'm not surprised that EA would do this. It's a very EA thing to do. It's just very disappointing because I feel like it's not, like, the developer's fault. I don't feel like it's Mo- Bioware Montreal's fault at all for, like, how Mass Effect Andromeda turned out. I think, yeah, maybe, like, they have some blame, but, like, I don't think they should have all the blame no, for I how think that shitty a that lot of the stuff out. that came out like the management changes and the lack of support from ea and the main bioware offices no i think that has a lot to do with it yeah i'm not saying it would have been a perfect game but like those animations are not merely the result of like mediocre developers exactly yeah like ea knows how to make a graphic something went fundamentally wrong there yeah exactly so it's it's, it's really sad i'm glad like 
I, I'm really glad like no one's gonna no quote unquote lose their job, but it's still sad. Yeah, I hope that that remains the case. Yeah, certainly. yeah, definitely. Same here. Because that's that's the worst part of this is that often you know people lose their jobs, which like. Yeah. You lost your job because your name was attached to a game you may not have worked on. Although in this case probably did because Bioware Montreal was the main developer of Andromeda, but like yep. you know, you may not have had as huge an involvement with, but your company's name was on the box, and so EA, who probably screwed over the project because EA is terrible, yep. are gonna be the ones who throw you under the bus and you're gonna be, you know, out of a job for yep. it. Which is always a, a stressful thing. So I really hope that the no layoffs thing uh is actually going to stick absolutely yeah. um i don't know i think we'll have to see how anthem does and uh it did not get a lot of positive it didn't really get negative buzz at e3 but everyone's just kind of like oh yeah anthem that's something that exists um, that's a thing so i don't know i don't think what i'm saying is not that ea is going to get dissolved bioware entirely yeah what i'm saying is i think this shows they are not above doing so oh yeah yeah if like i'm not predicting they will but if they did i wouldn't be surprised because i mean yeah just i mean you guys remember pop cap yep that's true Jeez. <laughs> yep yep Te- technically their name is still around but they've been completely gutted they have they they don't they effectively don't exist anymore. yeah Uh, uh, actually, I'm looking at now, and yeah, they're uh, they're they fired almost all their employees and closed the actual PopCap studio. So now they're oh, literally Lord. just a name that EA might put on the box of the fucking Guarded Warfare games. Jeez, woofa doofa, those exist, huh? Yeah, God, it's been a good, it's been a good minute. Damn, but yeah. I think this just shows that EA will continue to EA every company gets its hands on. Yep, pretty much. Nasty. Yep, it's it's really unfortunate and it's really sad. I I mean I wish the best for the developers more than anything. Like I just I hope they find I hope they move on to better and green greener yeah. pastures and better things. So hold up. Yep. Yeah. And uh, now they're working on Battlefront Two. I guess don't fuck it up. Yeah, please, please. And another mystery Star Wars game. Another one. Like, another one. Mm-hmm, Shit. Mm-hmm. Supposedly is the next project for EA Motive after Battlefront 2. Uh, 700 bucks, Battlefront 3. <laughs> <laughs> or like Battlefront 2 DLC or some shit. Oh, God. I hope, uh, I hope Battlefront I 2 know. is good. I hope. I hope. Oh, sure. Me too. But, uh, yeah, we've talked about that at length. And, uh... You know what? This actually, we were worried that this was going to be a really short episode, but uh, we've got a nice little length here, and I think it's time to cut it off. Yep. Let's let's go. Let's uh, sign this. This is technically where I do the shout out, mm-hmm. but uh, I've shouted out everyone who works for the site. I'm pretty sure, certainly all the regular contributors. That is um, true. Oh, you know what? I I don't think I've ever mentioned David Gunnels. Uh, David Gunnels works for Hey Poor Player, is um, more of an infrequent contributor. Uh, not like a, a real, not like Nathan or I, where, you know, we are, HPP owns our soul and all of our work. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I want to give him a shout out, not just for his work, which I always think is excellent. Uh, he he and I kind of have a similarly, like, 
scathing view of the games industry and like corporate America in general. And I always appreciate that touch. Um, but also, he's just a, a really great guy. Uh, you and I both worked with him on Hey Poor Adventurers, which mm-hmm. was our D&D live show. Uh, and he played Belfry the Paladin and was amazing. Uh, he played to great effect in that. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah. he's, he's a, a great writer and just a great guy. I always enjoy, whenever he's in the group chats, like, he always... I feel like he's one of those people who doesn't always have a lot to say, but everything he says is good and insightful and interesting. Um, and yep. I, I always admire those sorts of people because I just totally like vomit word salad for two hours onto this podcast every week. So. <laughs> Same, but Thank I you, mean, David. Yep, I miss uh, you, David. I'm gonna check if I have if I have done a shout out to David before. Then I think probably next week we're just gonna start like new shout outs, like or just like you know going through the same people again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah uh-huh. we'll see we'll see but until next time i have been i coleman i've been nico nico nathan milk 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 it milk that wife tree <laughs> okay <laughs> good enough shut it down <laughs>